it is so important to remember and now I release it and now I trust that the perfect next steps will be shown. I'm really big on checking our limiting beliefs. A lot of people might think to themselves, well, only if I have X number of people on my list, then I can do certain things. My list has had no bearing on the amount of incredible, priceless, surprising, serendipitous opportunities and people that have come my way. For me, what's so much more important is putting out great work that has people naturally drawn into that work and wanting to share it. I don't obsess over the numbers. I'm more focused on the quality of the opportunities that come my way. And that's never been a straight line correlation. Anything can happen at any time. Great opportunities can still come my way and I can still have a healthy business and successful launches even without being on social media. This is Jenny Blake and I am your host, Xenia. Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Jenny Blake is someone who spent a couple of years in the Silicon Valley, followed by five years in Google where she worked in training and career development. Since then, she has moved to New York City and has been running her own consulting business, helping innovative organizations like Google, Microsoft, and Chanel incorporate the pivot method into their global career development and manager training programs. I met Jenny at a women's full moon retreat, and she really impacted my life and my business and my career in just a few interactions that we had at the retreat and some emails exchanged afterwards. And I'm so excited to share this conversation with you because she's someone who is working with big name companies out there in the world. And at the same time, someone who is very connected to the world of mystery and spirituality and personal development. And she combines the two so seamlessly and she truly opens up to us in this conversation and shares how she does it. You might know Jenny as the founder of The Pivot Method. It's a book and a growth strategy company that helps forward-thinking individuals and organizations map out what's next. Her motto is, if change is the only constant, let's get better at it. Jenny's book won the Axiom Best Business Book Award, and she also hosts the popular Pivot Podcast, which has been named one of the top podcasts in the career category by multiple big name publications. In this interview, we talk about finding harmony between systems and spiritual surrender in business, how to simplify and systematize your revenue streams without feeling overwhelmed, the positive side of people unsubscribing from your email list or social media, tips for running a business if you're an introverted and or a highly sensitive person, how to create content with built-in listening, how Jenny built her online membership community, Momentum, why a membership website might be a good solution for you if you are not excited at the prospect of creating a course or a program and launching it over and over again. Jenny shares what role abundance mindset plays on her entrepreneurial path. And the part that I'm extremely excited to get into and share with all of you listening is her rebellious approach to social media. 
Jenny consciously chose to not be active on social media and focus on email and podcasts instead. As entrepreneurs, we tend to get so overwhelmed by all the things we feel like we need to do, YouTube channel, Instagram, a separate Instagram for your business, an online program and Facebook page and a Facebook group and a podcast. There's just an endless stream of things that we are expected to stay active on. And then there's newer platforms that are coming up from TikTok to Telegram. Whatever you are embracing and feel like you need to get on, I want to remind you that that's not the truth. And this podcast is an incredible reminder that it's important to tackle one or two things or platforms that feel easeful and joyful for you and get active on them and nail them and know what you're doing instead of trying to chase everything. Because then you end up being spread too thin. You might be going against your design. And by the way, if you haven't listened to the episode about human design, I highly recommend that with Erin Claire Jones. It really is eye-opening in terms of seeing how your human design might apply to how you share yourself on social media and what role social media might be playing in your business. I feel like a lot of you after listening to this episode would feel a big sigh of relief because you will be reminded that there is not one way to do things. There is not one way to build your personal brand or to share your story and your offering online. And Jenny is a great example of that. That said, if you know in your gut that it is time for you to show up in a bigger way than you ever have before, on January 13th, 2020, I'm beginning uh, the first and the final VIP round of the A-Week Conscious Social Media Program, where every week you and a group of awesome, like-minded, driven entrepreneurs and creatives will join me on this journey of finding your inner alignment, defining your message, and finding joy in how you share yourself online. And through that, building a powerful magnetic presence that will truly reflect who you are and what value you bring into the world. I'll be sharing meditations, visualizations, journaling prompts, as well as some tested strategies that I have found work from building multiple businesses through social media. Over the past year, I have had about 50 people go through the program in the two different runs that I've done. And it's been the most rewarding experience I've ever seen to truly hold this space for people to release the chains of self-limiting beliefs and release the belief that you need to be a certain way or know a certain thing or like there's something that you are just not getting about social media right. So by the end of the eight weeks, you will have everything you need to feel complete ease and excitement about your content, about what to share, about how to share it, how to monetize it. I created it with an intention to share everything that I know because social media has completely changed my life. I've talked about it in multiple solo episodes if you want to scroll back down and find them. But it's really changed my life, given me a community, given me a sense of belonging. And I always say that social media's energy is neutral. 
it's not negative or it's not positive. It's about how we view it and it's about the intention that we bring into it. And like any other relationship in our life, it's a mirror that's there to show you where else you can expand in your life and what bigger dreams and visions you can have for your business. So this round will be the most intimate one because with your registration, I am offering three one-on-one consulting coaching sessions with me. That's why the spots are super limited. So if you want to find out more, join for this round. And if you're really called to be supported in this huge way and be part of the conscious social media community, go to wokeandwire.com slash social dash media, and you'll find all the information there. And if you're listening to this past January 13th, when we start, I'll probably allow people to still join within a week after. And then the registration will close and I will be working on the program to exist outside of the live calls and the live coaching. So this will truly be the last time I'm planning to offer this with live coaching, with one-on-one coaching included for sure, because I'll be shifting my attention to scaling and making sure that my work touches as many people as possible in 2020. So if you want lots of one-on-one love and support and space holding and want your hand to be held through this journey of feeling like your inner world gets in alignment with your outer world through the magical tool of social media, And if you want to feel empowered every time you pick up your phone and you scroll or have to post and you just have complete clarity about all of that, then this is for you. Or maybe you're someone who's been listening to the podcast for a while and hasn't been sure about signing up and not sure about the investment. This will be the most powerful time and way to do it. So if you're looking to start the year with committing to yourself and to your business and to completely transforming your relationship with social media and the online world, then this is for you. And I'll see you in the Conscious Social Media Program. In the meantime, please meet Jenny Blake. And I can't wait to see what takeaways you have from this episode. I feel like this will be a very powerful support to the start of your year. All right, Jenny Blake, I am so beyond excited to have you on Woken Wired because you were one of those first people I met in real life at a full moon retreat in a forest in New Jersey. How romantic, under full moon. And you were someone who combined both a very business and strategic side and a very spiritual, feminine, flowy, intuitive side. And I know since then you have very much become known as a book RX person. So you prescribe books to people. But that was one of our first conversations was you actually prescribed a bunch of books to me based on the things I was looking to expand in my life and in my business. And since then, those books have completely changed my life, changed my business. And one of them was Outrageous Openness. And I still to this day recommend it to everyone else because it impacted my connection with my intuition and how I apply it to my life more than anything else. So even though we don't talk often, I want you to know that you have had a tremendous impact on everything I do every day. That means so much to me. That's the best possible outcome from a book RX. (laughs) And (laughs) 
not only did that book change my life as well when I first read it in 2013, but I feel that it's such a crucial message for entrepreneurs, which is about surrender. And there's so much in the online marketing world about numbers, metrics, goals, systems, growth hacking, social media statistics, metrics. And yet Tosha's method is so much about surrender, trust, faith, and I couldn't stay sane without it. The other thing I have to say is right back at you, Ksenia. Thank you from the bottom of my heart because you sent me your red heart-shaped bowl with a handwritten note written in some cool pen. I don't even know that makes it through countless dishwashings. And I eat my dinner from this heart-shaped bowl every single day. So I also, you're on my mind often, and I'm just so grateful for you. And it's as if you've been with me at so many dinners. <laughs> Thanks to I that bowl. That. Yeah. So Jenny, I love that you got straight to such an important message of surrender. I find that in these interviews, as well as in my own life, I tend to swing from seeking very strategic guidance in my business. And then sometimes I realize, oh, all I got to do is surrender. That's the pathway to absolutely everything. So I'm like swinging in between the two at all times and the balance shift based on where I am, where the moon is, what's going on with Mercury retrograde, who I'm surrounding myself with. I'm curious in your life, how do you find the balance between the two? It's such a good question. And I see it as exactly that, that I did run my business on pure surrender and serendipity for three years. When Pivot came out in 2016, I didn't set any goals really for the launch. I just said, may this book find the perfect people that are meant to read and benefit from it. And so many wonderful things happened in my life and work in those three years. And then this year, at the time that we're recording this, the end of 2019, was all about systems and strategy. And I, I kind of lifted my head up out of the ground like one of those meerkats in the prairie, like, who's who's doing what? What's out there? What do I need to learn? How do I need to refresh? And I read a ton of business books that when I was in the midst of my more spiritual surrendered mode would have bored the t just bored me to no end. But this year I felt it was really important to understand as I grew the team, as I shifted the business, as I tried to learn what I didn't know. And I'm almost a decade into full-time self-employment, 15 years of running an online platform. And I just felt that it was time for an OS upgrade, like upgrading my whole operating system in terms of the business, not just a few little apps here and there. So, But then just like you, it's so important to me to balance it out as well, because then I notice the more stressed I get, it means that I'm forgetting and I'm probably attaching. And I might be even setting expectations, which are always a recipe for then disappointment. And so although I do dive deeply into strategy and I can geek out on tools and systems with the best of them, it is so important to remember. And now I release it. And now I trust that the perfect next steps will be shown. Is that the JB Renaissance you talk of on your podcast? Yeah, the renaissance was I was at seminary school a semester and a half in and my work started really picking up. And as soon as I made the decision to pause, I kind of had to because I was going to miss so many classes, they would have dropped me anyway. I just, I just took this massive space. I didn't publish a single podcast for six months. And I started rethinking everything. 
And it was it was a feeling of renaissance, just this understanding new information, really thinking about where I stood with everything, what I stand for, how I do business that is different than so much of what's taught, and really understanding my focus for heart-based business owners. And I still do work with very large organizations as well who are launching global pivot programs, but I, I really enjoy having both. And I don't think I would be happy if I only worked with big companies. There's something I just love about the personal growth and the journey of entrepreneurship that is not easy. And it's it has not been an easy year for me either. I've had many dips, like many of my bigger dips in the business, but that always means that I'm on the cusp of breaking through to the next level of understanding and hopefully of more, just being more authentic and more focused on how I can do my best work and continuing to simplify and even get rid of everything else. Speaking of simplify, I remember how a few years ago, I came across your podcast. It was before you took that break. And the episode was all about how losing email subscribers is great. How in our culture where everyone is obsessed with growing, growing, growing your numbers on social media, your email subscribers, how it's actually valuable to create that space and say goodbye to people in your community who don't want to be there and even more warmly welcome those who really want to be there. And to me, that was such a an eye-opening message. I think it's picking up more and more in our culture now and the whole talk of minimalism is much more prevalent. But at the time, it was so refreshing because I was just starting my journey of learning about online business in terms of creating online courses and things like that and different revenue streams. And that message just got ingrained in me. Is that what you're talking about when you talk about simplifying? Oh, well, I love that that's what came to mind for you. And yeah, I've always had a relatively, quote, small list. When I got my first book deal for Life After College in 2010, I think I had 500 newsletter subscribers at that time. But for a lot of people online, it was rare to even have a newsletter. And then with Pivot, I recently, in during my big systems upgrade, I went from 16,000 down to 10,000 just by clearing out people that hadn't opened an email in over a year. And it felt good. I had been so afraid to trim my list. I was like, but what if I want to get another book deal someday? Even though the the publisher never asks, what are your open rates? They just see the number. And that's these vanity metrics. But actually, it felt so good to clean it out. And I could probably use to do it again, like even of the 10,000, then I'll keep an eye on it. And for me, and I'm really big on checking our limiting beliefs or if if then thinking. So a lot of people might think to themselves, well, only if I have X number of people on my list, then I can do certain things. And while it's absolutely true that if you're going to do affiliate sales or launch online courses, of course, the bigger the list you have, and you look at the percentages of conversion rates, you can know that you're going to sell more than someone with a small list, maybe. But my list has had no bearing on the amount of incredible, priceless, surprising, serendipitous opportunities and people that have come my way. So for me, what's so much more important is putting out good work, if not great work, that has people naturally drawn into that work and wanting to share it. So you'll, you won't really hear me saying on my podcast, if you like this episode, please share it with a friend. Because I don't think that needs to be said. If you 
benefit from a piece of content, whether it's a podcast, an article, a book, you're going to want to tell your friend. You're going to say, hey, you got to listen to this. I think you'll really get a lot out of it. So for me, that that word of mouth is built in. It's a built-in reflection of the quality and usefulness and value of what I'm creating in the world. So for that reason, I don't I don't obsess over the numbers. I'm more focused on the quality of the opportunities and people that come my way. And that's never been a straight line correlation, nor would I want it to limit anybody's thinking about what's possible because anything can happen at any time. And the piece around simplification, for me, you know, I, I recently did a webinar called 10 Scalable Streams of Solopreneur Income. And one of the first things I said is that 10 is probably too many, you know, and some are more active than others and more more of my focus. But if somebody were just starting out or if I could give advice to do things over, I would say focus on one stream of income or maximum three. And I spent so many years in my business delivering services that I didn't have as robust systems to pull out from delivering and doing the work to actually creating IP. And of course, I did write Pivot. I wrote the first book. But I mean, I could have done a better job of kind of simplifying how am I time and focus so that I could create lasting assets for the business and not just be delivering, whether it was coaching, speaking, any kind of one-off time-based engagement. Mm. So to me, you are a veteran online entrepreneur. And you've gone through so many phases and internal and external OS upgrades. And from where you stand now, can you tell me what are the things you decided to focus on? What are the different revenue streams of your business that you decided are worth putting energy into? And also, now that you have those things set up, what does your everyday look like? Sure. So... The three big focus areas, at least my hypothesis, and it's always ever a guess. If you've read Pivot, you know I talk about pilots, that actually we cannot know the answers up front. Our job is just to line up pilots like racehorses at the Kentucky Derby, lift the starting gates and say, go. So for me, the three that I'm going to double down on, I like to do a two by two grid of revenue and ease or revenue and joy. So you, you could do a couple of these grids, but what has really strong earning potential for robust recurring revenue in the business? And then what feels easeful and joyful to deliver? So what's that quadrant that's easeful and revenue producing? So for me, the three, the number one that I'm going to focus in 2020 is pivot licensing, which is creating global scalable programs for organizations like Google to roll out to their employees and to their managers. So that's a big gulp because I do have a few of these contracts, but licensing has been this kind of five-year climb, kind of a little bit of a black box to me of, well, how does this work? How do you do this? But now I finally have the whole package and, and I'm, I'm ready to do more of that. Pivot coaching is the second. I have a team of four pivot coaches and I'm, I'm actually the hard thing for me right now is saying no to not taking on any new coaching clients, which has always been bridge income for me for these last 10 years and sending that to the team, but creating systems around how people come in through pivot coaching, how we deliver that service. And then the third one is my my baby, like my love is my private momentum community for heart-based business owners. And very similar to what you're doing, Ksenia, but momentum I've had for five years, I do 
Q&A calls almost every week. Pivot to Profit is a course that I run within Momentum. So it's just, honestly, it's my peers. It's where I love hanging out online. And I'm always so happy. Just like, I'm so grateful to hear your experience. I'm so happy if I can learn things the long, hard way (laughs) and then distill that information and share it back to a group of like a small connected community because it makes me feel less alone in the journey and it makes me feel less, I don't know, it just helps me. Like if I, if I really struggle and kind of learn something the hard way, I feel so good if I can then feed that back to others in shortcuts or systems that help them do twice as much in half the time. Yes, I feel you. And there's also the insider community for your podcast listeners. Where does that fall in? Oh, yeah. So I decided taking a page out of Sam Harris, his podcast, he really convinced me. He talked about how he doesn't want to take sponsors for his show because he never wants his listeners to feel that he's being paid to say something. And the second you're hawking a mattress that you don't like or a meal kit that you don't eat or use, there's something that's compromised. And I agree with that. I actually, I was conflicted because the podcast is another thing that I love to do. So the podcast to me, it's it's not a revenue stream. It's more of a business activity for what I would call public original thinking and a weekly value creation for others. And so I decided, you know what? I don't want sponsors. I don't want to do the back and forth with them. I don't want to be recording spots for them. I don't want to worry about... like. I would only feel right promoting something to my business if I was head over heels in love. And that meant to me, most likely a sponsorship model wasn't going to work. So Pivot Insider is you can support the show for $8 a month and get a monthly live Q&A call with me. And we have a blast on those. I mean, there's a lot of other benefits that come with it, but we just dive really deeply on all kinds of questions that listeners submit. It's a small and mighty community. The Momentum members are part of it as well. And that is exactly for me. It's it's that listener-supported model that's joyful for me. And I feel that rewards those who really resonate with the work. And still, the podcast isn't break-even <laughs> of anything I do in my business. It takes the most time and earns the least direct revenue. But I do see it as a great way to build relationships with people. And even though I have two books, I don't consider myself a writer. Just sitting down and writing is, it's I don't know, I, I have a lot of resistance around it. But I do enjoy podcasting and conversations like this one. So yeah, thanks for asking about that. It's so interesting you mentioned licensing because I have someone coming up on my podcast who talked about licensing his methodology. And I am considering all the different ways I can have an online community for my podcast. And I'm sort of weighing Patreon versus another platform versus doing it on my own website. And you know what stops me is having a commitment of having those, whether it's weekly or monthly calls, because at this point in my life, I'm a digital nomad. I have nothing planned in terms of travel after past like three weeks. It's absolutely open-ended. So if I decide to go to an ashram for a month, I don't want to have those responsibilities. So, you know, running all these different communities and sub-communities, how do you stay easeful, excited, and joyful and manage your energy. I had the exact same resistance as you. So I completely get it. There was such a long time where I was, I was so free in my business and my schedule and I just avoided. I mean, I had one set of coaching clients that were even, I don't know, one day a week. And it was so easy to work around that. 
And so I really, same as you, I really resisted with Momentum and Insider because it totals weekly calls three a month. So I have one week off that actually, and this, I have a free course that your listeners can check out. It's called Free Up Founder Time, pivotmethod.com slash founder time. The reason I mention that is because in it, I talk about, you asked how I spend my days. And I realized that for me, a big part of sanity is just blocking my time. And so even starting in 2020, I'm going to have one week a month that has DNS where I try not to schedule a single thing. And one week a month feels kind of radical for me at this point. But to your concern, what I have found is that for the most part, a monthly call is totally doable. And it's so joyful to connect with the people who love your work the most that And then it'd be exciting for them wherever you are in the world. And let's say you're going to go on a silent meditation retreat. You would just move the call. Maybe you'd have two in one month and none in the next. And they would completely get it because they're your people. And they'd be so excited that you're going on that silent retreat or to the ashram for a month. And then they would be delighted to hear about your experience when you get back. So I think know that the people who would enroll are your favorites and, and vice versa. And then they would totally get the way that you like to work. So I was on Patreon. I felt that Patreon with all the different tiers, it was creating a lot of bells and whistles that I didn't really need. And the other thing was that I was continually promoting another platform. So I decided not to at the end of every podcast, which I did for a long time. I actually didn't want to be sending people go to patreon.com slash, or even I don't have a free Facebook group because I don't want to send people to Facebook. I'd rather. I would rather not just advertise for these other platforms. I'm kind of stubborn. I'm probably one of the more stubborn about social media. But that's what I'd say about something like a monthly Q&A is it can be as dynamic as you are. And I bet you'd have so much fun once you're on the call that it's you'd look forward to it. And then the last thing I'll say is that when people submit their questions, you also get to have a really cool pulse on what your listeners are thinking about and curious about and what they'd want to know from you and some of the Pivot Insiders have said to me, like, yours was the first podcast I ever listened to. And now I listen to so many. Or someone's like, I got a book deal because I listened to your podcast. And it's just really cool to connect with listeners because podcasting can feel like such a, a black box where you're, you're like, we're just talking out into the void. And you're like, who's out there? Who are you? <laughs> totally. I was recording from my bathroom today because the construction was so loud. And it's in those moments you wonder, wait, who am I and what am I doing and why? I love it. That's that real world's on the road grit. Right. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying. When I lead my conscious social media program, it's those weekly calls with my community that makes me feel the most alive and most of service. And those calls is what reminds me of what my gifts are, because otherwise, if I'm just in my head, I'm blind to them. So I totally see the value. And on that, for someone who is considering creating their own membership area, membership offering, Do you have any resources you can recommend in terms of a platform people can use, or maybe it's a plugin and anything else you've learned along the way because you've been running various membership offerings for many years now? Yeah, I recently moved everything over to Kajabi, K-A-J-A-B-I. There are a ton of online course creator types, online entrepreneurs who use Kajabi, and I am actually now using it for the membership area of Momentum, my email, weekly emails, the Pivot Insider member area, the free Pivot Toolkit, the Free Up Founder Time mini course, like 
creating sales pages, creating event or webinar registration. You can do so much with it. And I don't know how many, I think they have 20,000 clients at this point. So they're constantly improving it based on what this 20,000 strong council of online business owners wants and needs. So it's a really cool self-improving, not self-improving, they have a huge team. But I'm really happy with that because it kind of merges. I think so many of us can relate to feeling like subscription burnout, (laughs) where we have 10 gazillion subscriptions for all these different business services. And for me, Kajabi does everything I need. It's not perfect. The stats are improving, but that's made things really easy. And for better or for worse, the momentum forum, if you will, is still a private Facebook group because I've tried other platforms in the past and people just don't use them. They'd have to go log into something completely separate. And although I don't use Facebook at all for anything other than momentum, it's where more people are hanging out more of the time. So we found that it was kind of not the perfect solution because not everybody wants to be on or around the Facebook ecosystem, but it's what's had the most engagement. And the thing that The thing that I really like about having a membership community, and now it's becoming the zeitgeist I'm seeing everywhere online, but it kind of helped me from burnout and fatigue in terms of supporting one-to-many. So I've always had corporate clients, but when it came to, you know, creating courses like Heart of Podcasting, Heart of Book Publishing, I found it tiring, especially in the earlier days, because I created momentum. It's like almost five and then prototype six years ago, I couldn't stand the launch model. It was just like, I couldn't keep creating a brand new sales page, all the sales copy, all the emails, all the invitations. I was just so exhausted. And then the course material, and it made me want to not create things because I couldn't stand launching something new all the time. And then having my income depend on those launches, it was too stressful and it just didn't fit my strengths. As soon as I transitioned to momentum, I was only ever launching one thing. So I could continue getting better and better at how I talk about it, the materials that go with it, the free resources leading up to it. The community builds in value over time inherently because now if you join, there's five years of archives and there's a whole forum of conversations that have gone down and we've learned so much about how to make it amazing and we're learning more every day. So for that reason, having a membership community is my preferred way, almost as I would call myself an introverted entrepreneur. And if I do create a new course, oftentimes momentum gets it for free or at a steep discount. And then if I launch to the rest of my list, whoever signs up, it's just a bonus. So it kind of flipped my perspective on launches. Interesting. You took the conversation exactly where I wanted it to go. So that's perfect. And so Is Momentum still open or do you still open and close doors for registration? I left it open and ongoing enrollment for a long time, probably three years, because again, I just didn't want to do the launch model. Now enrollment is closed. We just brought in a cohort in October of 2019 for the first time in a long time. So during the whole JV Renaissance, we closed the doors, we put up a wait list, we completely rebuilt and revamped it from the ground up. And I got really clear that it's for heart-based business owners or solopreneurs. And so now we are doing a wait list. And part of that is so that 
this most recent launch is kind of a beta launch of the of new Momo. We're calling it Momo 3.0. And then in early 2020, so people could join the interest list now. They could take free up founder time now. And then I am liking the launch model just because for now, it allows me to welcome a whole cohort of people at the same time and help them really, you know, part of our momentum promise is earn twice as much in half the time with joy and ease while serving the highest good. So it's a little easier to kind of walk people through that process and what I'd recommend when we can start them in cohorts. So we're trying it, although I'm always experimenting. So you, so many of you listening may have heard the term evergreen. I'm also not opposed to creating an experiment behind the scenes where we say, okay, does it work to have people kind of able to sign up whenever they want? So Jenny, you are someone who comes from a Silicon Valley background. You worked at Google. You're someone who is the queen of systems in my mind. I remember you shared some resources with me when I just met you and I was blown away because I didn't know things like that were possible. So on one hand, you're very much a systems entrepreneur. On the other hand, you are very much a rebel online entrepreneur. And like you said, you're not into Facebook. You haven't posted on Instagram for a few months. So what is your take on not getting overwhelmed by what the world says is the marketing thing to do for online entrepreneur? And only choose the things and projects that do feel easeful. Because I think it's so easy in our day and age to get overwhelmed by what Instagram uh, life coaches tell you to do. And I'm not critiquing anyone. I think it's all of us. It's just so easy to get overwhelmed by seeing how other people do things and think that we need to have a YouTube channel and a podcast and an online course and a membership community and a membership program. And it just gets overwhelming and you get nothing done. So in your case, how did you choose to first of all say no to social media? And how do you choose what to say yes to? I got such a big smile when you said systems and a rebel that like you just captured it. It makes it must mean I'm doing something right. If you see me this way, it's just so it warms my heart and I'm happy to wear that rebel label. Yeah, I do feel like that sometimes. I, I call myself a curmudgeon. So rebel sounds way cooler. But I feel just totally and completely allergic to social media. I don't enjoy it. It pulls me out of deep reading, deep thinking, deep work. I find it very distracting. And I almost feel, and this is not going to sound as gracious as I would like it to, but when I post, it's as if I create 10 times the work for myself. So if I post something and then all these comments roll in, I feel obligated, like I would want to reply. Otherwise, I'm leaving everybody hanging. And they took the time to check out my post and they left a note. And I just don't want to be stuck in that cycle and that loop. And it just does not spark joy. You will almost never see me post a selfie. And just as you said, I'm not judging anybody who does, but I would rather be known for my ideas and the value that I add through systems, through tools, through templates, books, podcasts, than to be known for who I like the lifestyle I live. So Instagram, as much as I love it, and I go on there and I look at pictures of dogs and puppies, because I also get kind of agitated. Like, 
I always was finding myself agitated when I would sign off of looking on Instagram or Facebook for the exactly the reasons everybody knows. Like it would just activate my compare and despair. <laughs> and it's so shiny. It's just so shiny. And then my friend said it perfectly. The performative authenticity that we see a lot in the space that we're in. I just, it doesn't fill me up. It just doesn't. It's like, yeah. So one, I had to know that about myself. I had to realize I don't feel better when I sign off and I don't do my best work on these platforms in kind of bite-sized chunks. I will say I joined Twitter in 2008 and I made a lot of friends on Twitter. It was the early days. We were all figuring it out. So I did that for a time, but realizing that it, it, that it drained me more than it energized me and that it didn't allow me to do my best work, my deepest, highest quality thinking, then I just had to give myself permission not to care and not to feel the pressure that I had to be doing those things in order to be successful. And it's, it is true that absolutely people who are influencers will get sponsors or you might have an easier time getting a book deal. You might have an easier time launching a book if you have 100,000 followers or a million you definitely, there's no question that's a huge asset for you. Before I had Pivot and PivotMethod.com, for a couple years, I had the site JennyBlake.me, Systems at the Intersection of Mind, Body, and Business. And although that subject matter resonated, it was too close to me. It was uncomfortable. It was like the image of Jenny Blake was the business because it wasn't centered on any particular piece of thinking the way that Pivot is. Now at Pivot Method, there are programs, there are products. I can hire pivot coaches. It doesn't just revolve around me and my name and my photos. Like that just, just didn't work for me and it wasn't sustainable. I also felt that I couldn't build a sustainable business that only revolved around me because what if I need a break? What if I want to take some time off? So for all those reasons, yeah, I just don't worry about it. And I have an abundance mindset in the sense that Great opportunities can still come my way and I can still have a healthy business and successful launches even without being on social media. And I also think that we're going to see certain trends, like some people who really do love and enjoy it, they're going to be more and more successful. But I think we're already seeing that sometimes places like Twitter, it's like, who's even, I realize who's even reading other people's tweets? Like everyone's happy to send their tweets out into the world and then schedule them with tools like Buffer and, and Meet Edgar. But who's even reading it anymore? I just felt like people were so used to blasting their content out. No one was reading anything. Just everyone's got their little microphone. So I just felt it was kind of pointless. Whereas with the podcast, it does revolve around ideas and deep conversation. And I love listening to podcasts. So it feels more aligned and more authentic to how I like to give and receive value in the world. Wow. It is such a courageous decision to just know yourself well enough to say, okay, social media does not empower me. So I'm going to choose to put my time elsewhere and trust that the opportunities that are meant to come my way will. I applaud you for that. And I'm sure that many people listening will take a big sigh of relief because that's just not really talked about much. Well, thank you for saying that. And I can't make any promises. You know, the jury's still out, but I'm still here. It's nine years into running my business full time. And of course, I do think an email list is important. And it's, it's almost too bad that we call it a list 
because it's really a community of friends. And I do think that having that weekly, I call mine weekly-ish, that's been important. But I enjoy that. That's like a direct communication. So much more than trying to keep up with like 100 little micro moments throughout the day. So thanks for letting me rant. <laughs> lately, lately, I've been getting into these rants about things that go on on the online world. So thanks. I love it. So you touched on a very big lesson here. It's interesting because I feel like with social media, with Instagram, there's been this big wave of switching from your business's name to your personal name, which is something I recently did to sort of put more energy into growing your personal brand. And what you're talking about is the reverse and also looks at creating long-term scaling versus perhaps short-term brand, personal brand recognition. And that's a big pivot in itself. So talk to me a little more about how that switch happened and, and what it took. As a highly sensitive person, as a creative person, as a person prone to anxiety, I can just tell you right now, like I go through phases where I just don't want to move. I don't want to get on the phone. I Again, super introverted. I just don't even want to see anyone or do anything or talk to anyone. And I'm sure like so many of you listening can relate. And the problem that I found when the business revolved around me and my name and my image was that there was no room to have a bad day or a bad week. Or sometimes it's not a depression. It's like the business renaissance I described where it's six months of like furious focus and building behind the scenes. And that is so much harder to do to take that time and space and distance when your day-to-day income and like numbers relies on it. And I just find that feeling suffocating. And we talk about, oh yeah, quit your job and become free, you know, as an entrepreneur. But as Marianne Cantwell, I just had her on my show for her book, Free Range Humans. She says so many people leave the corporate box and put themselves in an entrepreneurial box. If you feel pressure, I mean, I remember watching a friend who would obsess, like if I don't post on Instagram at 11, two and five, then I'm not going to get the peak traffic. And this person's entire focus became obsessing over these posting windows. And it just distracted them completely from doing the actual work that was happening, the more creative, exciting work. So, and also, by the way, I don't want to perpetuate that feeling. I was like, I don't know if you'll allow swearing on your podcast, but I don't want to perpetuate that shitty feeling where I'm always looking shiny. Like I just will, I refuse to have like pictures of me cavorting around every single web page of my site and sales page. It's just me, 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 me. It just does not convey what I'm about, which is you anyone else, anyone who's visiting, like getting you connected with the resources that are most helpful. So yes, of course, you're going to see some pictures of me, but it's minimal. And even my most recent round of portraits, I told the photographer and the makeup artist, please, like not too much makeup. I want to look like myself. I told the photographer, please, not too much retouching. If I have wrinkles, leave them there. If my hair is frizzy, leave it there. Like just, I don't want to be a part of that image making. And as far as the business, I find that like I like to think through scenarios. So what if I tell my team, 
if you were to get whisked off to Fiji for a month unplugged, could one of us pick up your role tomorrow? And so we keep a manager manual behind the scenes where the thought exercise, if any of us were whisked away on a delightful vacation for a month, could the rest of the team step in and do our job? Or is it stored in your mind? And if you left, all of the processes would go with it. And similarly, I think about in my business, what if I wanted to take a year off? So I have a puppy coming soon. That's going to be a big focus. Uh, Maybe I'm going to have a year maternity leave. Maybe something unfortunate like a health problem pops up. But that year off would be so much harder to do and not bottleneck the business if it was all revolving around me. Again, me and my image and my and my delightful crafted happiness that every photo seems to need to convey <laughs> when we do this. And so, yeah, I think about that. And I think about the long term. I think about, I think it's also easy. We have a certain generation that's coming up based on how we look. And we're all going to have the problem that like supermodels had 20 years ago is like, what happens when you age? Like if it's all about what you look like and what your lifestyle is, then you feel a pressure to maintain that rather than for me, the business, the systems, the value that I create for others, that, that to me is, is just, it's more meaningful to me personally. And it's more scalable in the sense that you brought up, which is if I wanted to take some time away for creative reasons or personal or health or anything, not only would the business not grind to a halt, which has happened to me in the past, but maybe it could even grow without me. What would that look like? Mm, I love creating that possibility. So here's my question for you, Jenny. I can only imagine what my life would be like if I didn't spend hours every day on social media, because sometimes I intentionally do create those windows of time or days where I intentionally don't post a lot or don't post at all and check in minimally, which still is quite a bit for me. And just noticing where my mind wanders, how much I get done, it's very inspiring and eye-opening. So in your case, because all this energy is not going to social media, where does it go? You know, and what alternative have you found to creating those pathways for people to find you and become part of your community? Because, you know, the reason why for entrepreneurs, social media is such a big part of their business and marketing strategy is because it's a way for people to find them, to connect with their work, to possibly buy whatever they're selling. So in your case, what are those alternative pathways for people to connect with you and become part of your community, whether it's paid or not? Yeah, all such great questions. And I'm not, of course, I'm just saying, of course, there's so much value in having a social platform. And I think the key word is platform. So for me, that's about public original thinking on a regular basis. And then free resources that can introduce someone to my work and ideally create a sense of ease and relief. Like, ah, this is exactly what I needed. Oh, this is really solving a problem. And there's so much free stuff that I create along those lines. And then an invitation to go further. So the regular ongoing public original thinking, for some people, that's going to be LinkedIn. And now even LinkedIn TV is launching. For some, it's Facebook Lives and their own free Facebook community. For others, it's happening on Instagram and IGTV. For others, it's YouTube. For me, it's the Pivot Podcast. So I think some, definitely, it is helpful to create a platform around the thing that you most love to do and that you're best at. 
And I just, what I'm saying is you don't need to do that on every single platform every day, every week. I think that's exhausting. I'm a, I am a big fan of, of how can you create one piece of content and repurpose and repackage it. So for me, the podcast is kind of the deepest creation on an ongoing basis. And then that could become an article, although I don't do that right now. We do upload it to YouTube. It could become an Instagram audiogram, like just kind of a mini clip. It could become quote cards for Instagram. So there is a lot you can do if you create a high level piece of content. You could, in my case, I would hire someone because there's no way I would do all those little steps, but, and then delegate. Okay, great. Now take this podcast episode baton and run with it and distribute it everywhere so that you're findable on different platforms. That would be my approach. And then there's an invitation that happens. So did you enjoy this? Let's say it's a podcast. If so, sign up for the weekly pivot list newsletter. In the newsletter, like, are you enjoying this? If so, you know, I love having things like the pivot toolkit or free up founder time. I also have a toolkit for authors that you had referenced, Ksenia. And so those toolkits are an offering and it's just not even with an agenda, just to, you know, really meant to be helpful. And then on the company side, I do speaking and consulting and programs. And on the individual side, you know, some kind of webinar masterclass leading to the momentum community, that's kind of the pathway. Even on the corporate side, I might start doing a monthly webinar or something to just, again, always be inviting. Like it's as if someone enters the front door of your house and you're like, let me give you a tour. Let me show you around. And where are you going to take them next? Oh, you want to see upstairs? Great. You know, or, oh, look, there's a party happening on the patio. So like, what are the different ways that you can take people on a journey through your body of work and your thought leadership? So all of this for me is about a transformation journey of a person arriving. And, and I always like to picture myself sitting across from them at a coffee shop or holding their hand through a transformation journey of some kind, whether it's career pivoting and learning how to navigate change, whether it's companies who just want their entire employees or culture to reflect that agility, or solopreneurs who are saying, this is really hard. I feel very lonely. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, or I'm not a systems thinker. Help. And I love to be able to kind of walk alongside people in that way. Creating those pathways and sort of maps through which people can orient themselves within your pool of work is something that came up this week very sharply, actually, because I met someone and they're an entrepreneur and I was explaining what I do. And I realized that I speak to most people as if they've already listened to my podcast. They've been following me on Instagram, on all my different pages, and they know my life story. And I realized, wow, I really don't have a guest house where people who are brand new to my community can go enter and first get familiar with what the actual house of work is. And so I love that you're bringing this up because this week, that's been a lot of my focus to really start thinking about how do I create those pathways, sort of that map to give people a way to connect to the different work that I have offered over the years. I love the idea of a guest house. That's so cool. Yeah. And I think in order to do that, it's helpful to know who's coming to my house, who's staying here. For me, it's a little more complicated because I've been doing this 15 years. So I have like 
so many different types of audiences, even kind of navigating the split between large organizations and solopreneurs. Like they seem so different and it creates a lot of complexity. So I think if you're clear on who you're trying to serve, ideally it's kind of one specific audience, maximum two, but you can, I've even mapped out on a whiteboard or a piece of paper, just like, what's the journey that I'm going to take them through? And then making sure you just have a clear journey for each type of person who's coming to your site so that it's not muddled. Mm, I love that. Okay, Jenny, as we're coming to wrap up, I'm taking crazy notes. My question for you is if you would give either your younger self or just an entrepreneur who's a few steps behind you on this path to being a conscious human, a conscious entrepreneur on their path, what are three pieces of advice or three lessons that you would give them to feel more ease, joy, and accomplishment on their entrepreneurial path? Ooh, such a good question. One of the things I mentioned earlier, drop the attachment to having the answers. Drop the pressure. You cannot know. You can only take guesses, experiment, and see which of your experiments start to work. So for example, when Pivot was launching in 2016, I actually had all kinds of things mentioned in there. I mentioned the podcast, Momentum, Lunch and Learn workshops for companies, and keynote speaking. Oh, and a career conversation toolkit. I thought that career conversation toolkit was going to fly off the shelves. Nothing, not a blip. Momentum did start to trickle in. Little, I couldn't imagine when I started the podcast 2014 that it would become the main love of my business life. So you cannot know. And I think you don't want to distract yourself by doing too many things at once. But just like we said in the middle of this conversation, what are three things, three experiments that you can run with 10, 20% of your time and see how they go? Also, advice, piece of advice number two, I love what I call built-in listening. So from the moment somebody joins your list, can you ask them, what are you mo- which of these topics are you most interested in? And you tag them based on what link they click, or the link goes to a special resource for them. Maybe it's an annual survey saying, what is the biggest challenge that you're facing? And what would you love for me to create this year? For me on the pivotmethod.com survey, I created a podcast survey. So if someone's stumbling around my website, or they listen to the show, and they just want to give me their feedback, they can. And so Built-in listening means you don't have to have all the answers constantly from scratch from your own brain, that your audience community can be consistently like letting you know what would be most helpful. And then let's see, the third piece of advice, you know, someone, someone asked, I was on a workshop the other day and they asked the question, what do you know for sure about yourself as an entrepreneur? And what do you, what do you not know? Like, what do you still feel insecure about? His answer to what do you know for sure was similar to mine, which is that I know this is the path for me. I will not throw in the towel. So as low as it gets, I've never regretted leaving Google, even though there are clients still to this day. And I just think if every entrepreneur can just know that for themselves, like I am in this, I am not going anywhere. I am, I am going to persevere. I am creative. I am resourceful. I've always solved big, hairy problems in the past, and this is no different. And to see this journey as the privilege that it is, and to celebrate the accomplishments that you've had so far, that to me is that inner game that means 
no, no problem is so big. You can't overcome it. I really believe that. And especially the world of entrepreneurship, like it is kind of scary because we're, we're doing so much from scratch. Nobody knows what they're doing. Like con- technology is constantly evolving. So even the people that seem to be ahead of you in certain ways actually have a harder time adapting new technologies or new platforms because they're so dealing with the complexity of the size that they're already at or the systems they already have. So every stage has its advantages. And I think the more to take it full circle, the more you can surrender and trust and find a place in your heart where you know it's going to be okay, we can relax so much more and actually enjoy the process of creating, which I believe is every bit as important as what we release into the world. I absolutely agree with you. Elizabeth Gilbert has a beautiful quote in The Big Magic where she talks about how it's the process of creation, book, piece of art, whatever that is, that is the place where the magic happens and not the end result. And I think it's such an important reminder on an entrepreneurial journey. And something that you breezed through was uh, this idea of celebrating your successes And I think it's extremely important, especially solopreneurs, when something happens that you've been working towards to pause and to celebrate yourself, whether that means making yourself a latte or taking yourself to your favorite cafe or going to your favorite workout or just literally jumping up and down and saying, I'm so proud of myself. I'm curious in your experience, Jenny, how do you celebrate your wins? Oh, you know... I'm not sure. Like, I could probably do a better job of it. Although I love the Oprah quote, celebrate what you want to see more of. For a long time, I've also recognized that like, even the pivot method is based on looking at what's working as much as we want to shift and grow and move in a new direction. I really found that the best pivots start from what is working. And that almost involves celebration in its own way. It means looking and saying, oh, wow, I did this. I created this. I already have this. I already know how to do this. And working off of our strengths. So that's like maybe micro celebration is just acknowledging our strengths and celebrating them. And yeah, I could probably do better at like big fancy celebrations. I still, you're going to laugh. Speaking of social media, I got married a year ago and we still, neither of us have posted a single status update on social media that we're married. So the only people that know are the ones that listen to my podcast. And I've like buried it now a couple episodes, like halfway through. And that's delightful to me. That's like very fun because there's certain people that I get to tell for the first time, even a year later, because they just didn't get to, oh, like yet another update. So we didn't even celebrate that when we got married at City Hall and didn't even post on Facebook. (laughs) And that's why you're a rebel. I guess so. And I married a rebel too. He's a painter and a fine artist. So the two of us reinforce each other's rebelness. (laughs) I love that so much. Jenny, you have really given such a new pathway to uh, the Woke and Wired listeners to how you can be a successful, present, kind entrepreneur and also rebel against things that don't work for you and just not have them be part of your life, in this case, social media. Much respect to you for having the courage to know that about yourself and go that route. And before we officially wrap up, is there anything else you want to share that I didn't ask you about? That means so much. You have no idea. Like I'm coming off a couple of days of feeling 
down, like a little under the weather. Anyway, that means so much, Ksenia. Truly, truly, thank you. And I think we really ran the gamut. I love your questions and I love your show and just who you are and what you create in the world. And I'm so grateful to have met you back in 2015. And I love knowing that we both essentially kept in touch from afar. <laughs> like, that's the coolest example of I don't even know if we have spoken in the interim. And yet it's as if it was yesterday that we met and you've been in my heart, certainly, and my heart shaped bowl. And it sounds like vice versa. So I guess if I could pull a business lesson out of that as well for others, don't worry or obsess over trying to find a mentor or connect with influencers or any of this. Like one connection, one moment, one person can be so beautiful, can unfold in such a powerful way, even from afar. And there are so many people I learn from without ever knowing them in person, Tosha Silver being one of them. So even when I go to conferences, I give myself permission that if I make one new friend, this whole conference has been a success. And I don't know how that person will continue to show up in my life. But again, it's just that constant taking the pressure off that it has to be a certain way. Yes, to that. Bye-bye networking and hello, divine surrender. And trusting <laughs> that whoever is meant to be on your way, on your path will come there and you'll keep crossing paths as you're meant to. And that's yep. all there is. Yeah. I mean, everyone told me I had to be on all the dating apps. I was never going to meet someone. It's not how it's done anymore. And I met my husband walking down the street in opposite directions. What? Yeah. On a New York City street. So my rebel nature, my rebel side was like, aha, I was right. Like I had friends who were telling me, Jenny, dating is a numbers game. You just got to go on enough first dates. And I said, no, serendipity is my dating app. Like I do real life Tinder. And it friggin' worked. So I feel so redeemed. Like my personal life is proof that this can work. <laughs> I love this last bit yeah. uh, so much. It's just an, another example of doing it the way that feels right for you. And that's the bottom line. Jenny, thank you so much. This conversation was amazing. I'm so grateful for Summer who brought us together, for the moon that brought us together. And I'm excited to continue watching your pivots and what you're offering to the world. And I'm excited for you to enjoy your new heartball. Thank you so much, Ksenia. Thank you again for having me on. And huge thanks to everybody who's here listening. And I think I'll, I mentioned all the links and so we could just throw them in the show notes, but pivotmethod.com, I would say slash founder time. That would, like, that would be the most helpful resource for your audience. And it's totally free. Perfect. I'm going to link that on welcomewire.com. Thank you, Jenny. Amazing. Thank you. If you listened all the way to the end, I'm sure that you're feeling inspired to live your life in a way that feels right for you and to follow the norms just a little less and follow your heart a lot more. I love how Jenny shares her story of meeting her husband without going on any apps. And I love how she lives by serendipity and surrender. And I am so excited that she also gave you this new way of looking at social media because some of you may be listening to this podcast because you want to find more intuitive and aligned approach to social media. But some of you might have realized that it's time to stop telling yourself that social media is for you. And maybe there's other ways that you can express yourself without going on Instagram. 
I didn't want to leave you hanging after such a powerful conversation, so I'm popping on here to share some of my personal takeaways from this conversation and some of the things that I will be implementing. The first one will be going into my email lists and trimming them, deleting anyone who has not opened emails from me in over a year so that I'm not paying empty dollars for people who are not even connecting with me to make sure that I am truly serving those who feel called and connected to my work. The second reminder I'm taking away from this conversation is don't focus on delivering services you don't have the systems for. So often I have new product ideas and new projects and I start putting it out there, collecting emails, and then I realize, you know what? This would be spreading myself too thin and overcommitting. So Jenny's idea of instead of focusing on 10 revenue streams, on one or three is really inspiring for me and something that I want to take on this year. Takeaway number three is to measure opportunities, not just by revenue, but also by what feels useful and joyful to deliver. Not the idea of it, but the actual process and the process of connecting with my customers, with my audience. What lights me up? I really love that idea because ultimately entrepreneurial journey is not about the bottom line of how much money is in your bank, but it's about that journey. And if we can find more opportunities to find more ease and more joy in those everyday moments and everyday tasks and points of connection with our people then it makes all the difference. And a bonus takeaway that I'm considering implementing this year is creating one week a month where I don't schedule anything. I think it's such a powerful idea to leave some space to create and to do things you might not normally do. And especially if you're someone who tackles a lot of projects at once, to have that free space to be able to step back and see your businesses, your revenue streams, your projects and your services from a bird's eye view instead of being up and close face-to-face with it can be a very valuable exercise. I know a coach who actually takes a whole week off every single month and travels somewhere. And I think that's something very inspiring and something to aspire to as well. And definitely building trust and learning how to delegate, creating methods around my work and teaching other people how to run my business will be a very valuable step that I am planning to start taking this year. All right, now it's your turn. What were some of your takeaways and some of the things you will be implementing in your business after listening to this? Post it on Instagram and tag me at wired. I can't wait to compare notes with you and share it with the rest of the community. Another good place to post it is on the Woke and Wired Facebook group. So if you're not yet a member, go and join because we have a really cool group of people there that's growing. And if as a result of this conversation, you realize that not being on social media is not for you and that actually you are excited by the idea of getting good at it and feeling easeful about it, then go to wokenwire.com slash social dash media. Even if the conscious social media program is not available at the time you log on, I will be offering more and more exciting things on that page throughout the year. So be on the lookout, sign up for the email. Tune back in next week for the following episode. And I am considering 
recording another solo episode where I share takeaways from my silent meditation retreat that I just returned from. If that's something you want to hear about, then do let me know. DM me on Instagram at WokenWired, as well as any other questions or requests you might have for the show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.